guess anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. In my opinion, nation, the sun is gonna surely shine. Stop all your fussing. Slap on a smile. Come out and walk in the sun for a while. Don't fight the feeling. You know you wanna have a good time. And in my opinion, nation, the sun is gonna surely shine. My name is DJ Sidonia. My name is MC Magnolia Galaxy. <laughs> Welcome to a very special edition of... Blossom. A whole show celebrating <laughs> yes, that's whatever right. that was. A special edition of Blossom entitled Project Moonbase. Oh, what's going on? <laughs> it's all gone backwards. We're messing with your minds. Hey, you know what happened to that girl that was in Blossom? I don't know if you've ever seen it. Completely passed me by. Anyway, she's got a PhD now. <laughs> I know the normal story for child stars is one of a spiral of despair and agony. <laughs> But this was a spiral of um, getting a PhD. Wow. I don't know what happens after that. Mm. Maybe then it descends into a spiral of hell and torment. That's all we can hope for. <laughs> have you ever met anybody with a PhD? Not wittingly, no. Well, I must have done. You don't tend to know, do you, if someone's got a PhD? Unless they just wear it around their neck. There should be some kind of sash, like robes of office, yeah. or chains of office. That's right. Like a mayor would have. <laughs> Something really gaudy. Yeah. I'm the mayor! <laughs> Yes, I guess it's a sort of a companion show to uh, last week's Country and Eastern, a further celebration of all things spring-like, but concentrating, as we like to, in a ridiculously tight niche of trees which blossom. Mm. <laughs> and not for very long. It's fleeting, isn't it? It's fleeting. It is very fleeting. It's all blooming this week. <laughs> and amongst all of that spring loveliness, we do have MC Magnolia Galaxy and his unnecessary news. That's right. That night, when the narrow Chinese streets were gay with the many lanterns and sweet with the fragrant almond blossom and lily, and the happy crowds were thronging on the streets, the old highbinder passed the door. He smiled as he saw little Con Yin seated in the doorway holding the doll in her arms and with rapture unspeakable in her childish eyes. Beautiful, so beautiful. Childish eyes! Ah, no, it's not so beautiful. I've got a jar of childish <laughs> eyes with me. No, I ah. But what if I did, listeners? Oh, weird. How would you feel? Mm. Hashtag childish eyes. Maybe that should be the theme of the next show. Childish, childish eyes. eyes. <laughs> We're going to get proceedings underway with a Norwegian band, which might be surprising given that they're called the Loch Ness Mouse. And I was absolutely thrilled and delighted to discover that there's a band making now sound sunshine pop. I thought that all went out about 30 or 40 years ago. In your youth. <laughs> My when youth. I was a boy. That's right. This is a brand new album, The Loch Ness Mouse, from their eponymous album with a track called The Cherry Blossom in Japan.
Pfirsichkette. Atze hier mit Peach Girl, dem Thema für die Pfirsichserie von Ellen Petrix. Ab geht's! für Superbrummen. Für flotte Bienen. Für dufte Zähne. Und Susi. Für meinen Stammzahn. Für Petra die Wuchtbrunne. Dir eine super Frau. Nie mehr Mauerblümchen. Ganz große Klasse. Wow! Peach Girl there from Baden Breck Petri from an album called Pop Shopping, which is a compilation of German commercial music from 1960 to 1975. Mm. And very good it was. See, brassy. Yes, that's right. Before that, the now sound of the Loch Ness Mouse with their track The Cherry Blossom in Japan. Yeah, lovely stuff. Bit of a change from the Blossom theme tune. <laughs> We're back on track now. This <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, All yes. right. You're in safe hands. The Loch Ness Mouse have their own website, thelochnessmouse.com. They have uh, some lovely press reviews, some glorious things here. Some of the best pop music ever released in this country in a new league of intelligent pop, but a weird one in the middle here. They are quality product that may not achieve its legitimate pride, honour and fame until after his death. (laughs) (laughs) So, Uh, Maudlin. (laughs) Hint of tragedy. Yes. You can feel that they are just not going to be appreciated. (laughs) Still, there's that carrot at the end. Once you die... (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Heartbreaking. You're listening to Project Moonbase, a weekly show you can download from projectmoonbase.com. You can also become a fan of ours on Facebook, and you can follow us on Twitter. And also tell a couple of people, if you know them. <laughs> Listeners, we know this is beaming out into the galaxy. Any sentient life form, we're not that fussy. That's right. I'd like to think that most listeners have got a very powerful radio transmitter in their back garden that they can beam out to mm-hmm. remote galaxies. Send the word out. I remember as a child I saw Jodrell Bank 
Mm. That had a profound effect on me. I saw it and I thought, I want one of those. <laughs> or I need access. Yes. I'm not sure why. It just seems like the sort of thing I should have. Exactly. Well, that's exactly the kind of thing I'm imagining in the back, <laughs> in the back garden of most of our listeners. <laughs> a gentleman should have in his back garden. <laughs> or right. a lady. Or a lady. Yes. Lady radio astronomers out there, no mm. offence. Now, the Powerpuff Girls who I thought was kind of forgotten about, but apparently they're back in. I've just noticed they actually seem to be popping up with apps and stuff on the iPhone. I guess they're still, I guess they're still going. They're retro now. They are. Craig McCracken, the genius behind the Powerpuff Girls. That's a great name, isn't it? <laughs> We're going back up into the early noughties. They put together a soundtrack album, which is essentially music inspired by the Powerpuff Girls, and there's all sorts of uh, people on this album that got released called Heroes and Villains. One of the bands on that album is a Swedish band called Komeda, who actually had previously released their own track called Blossom. For this soundtrack album, they kind of pumped things up a bit and uh, did a new version of it to tie in with the fact that obviously one of the characters of the Powerpuff Girls is, of course, Blossom. So that's kind of It's like it was nice meant to be, isn't it's it? It's like it's meant to be. So this is Comeda with their retitled B.L.O.S.S.O.M. Do the right thing. B L O double S O M. Do the right 
sound of Blossom there from Comeda, the Powerpuff Girls Heroes and Villains album, and there was a, there was a hint of a slightly less irate B-52s <laughs> to that, I think. Like less angry, less shoe hats. And less annoying, let's be honest. Ooh, steady. <laughs> Cornelius was involved in that as well. Yes, there's a track on that album from Cornelius, and Devo apparently pop up on there as well. Oh. We shall be returning with some lovely wibbly-wobbly electronics well, shortly to listen, but first of all, it's time for us to inhale the heady aroma of unnecessary news. Man builds a robot which looks eerily like Scarlett Johansson. That's right, Hong Kong resident Ricky Ma has dreamed of designing a humanoid robot since he was a child, as he's obsessed with animation and robots, and he has now realised his dream by building a realistic female humanoid robot bearing a striking resemblance to actress Scarlett Johansson. And it really does. It's quite creepy. Ma said, When I was a child, I liked robots. Why? Because I liked watching animation. All children loved it. There were Transformers, cartoons about robots fighting each other, and games about robots. That's all true. So far, we're with you. (laughs) He said, during the process of making the robot, a lot of people said things like, Are you stupid? This takes a lot of money. Do you even know how to do it? It's really hard. (laughs) Ma, you need to get some more supportive friends. On top of loving animation and robots, it seems Mar is also a very big fan of Scarlett Johansson, which makes for an uncomfortable mix of science and feelings. In his spare time, he spent over $50,000 and a year and a half of his time creating the female robot prototype, which he has dubbed Mark One. Yeah, right. The humanoid ro- I'm sure he's calling it, oh, Mark One. The humanoid robot responds to a set of programmed verbal commands spoken into a microphone. You can watch a video of this, which we will link to. If you go to projectmoonbase.com, we'll put a link to the video. It's worth watching. It's not very long. In the video, Mark can be seen telling the robot, Mark 1, you are so beautiful. And the robot responds by saying, hee hee, thank you. (laughs) Does other things as well. (laughs) Mark 1's silicon skin covers a 3D printed skeleton, which encompasses the humanoid robot's mechanical and electronic interior mechanisms. Mm. I don't know why that strikes me as funny. Those your electronic interior mechanisms I see there. <laughs> Have you had any trouble with your interior mechanisms? Around 70% of the robot's body was created using 3D printing. And the robot does look like Scarlett Johansson until it starts moving. And then it looks like Scarlett <laughs> Johansson having a stroke. <laughs> when I saw it originally, I thought, oh my God, this it's happening. This is it. Not only is Scarlett Johansson being replaced by a robot, <laughs> but basically we are just going to become redundant. Yeah. I mean, this guy probably thinks, I can't get a girlfriend, so I'm going to make one. Mm. Or I certainly can't get Scarlett Johansson as my girlfriend, so I'm going to make Scarlett Johansson. (laughs) And then he doesn't realise that he's not just going to replace all girlfriends, he's going to replace all boyfriends as well. As all the girlfriends are replaced by robot girlfriends and all the boyfriends are replaced by robot boyfriends, suddenly there's no people left. (laughs) Well, I think if I was him, I'd be quite tempted to make an army of Scarlett Johanssons to take over the world. (laughs) That's move number two. (laughs) He'll be designing the uniforms. (laughs) 
That's going to take a while. When I saw it, I thought, oh, this is it. This is the end of human civilization. Then Robot Scarlett Johansson started moving, and I was like, ah, no, we're okay. I think we've got a couple of years left. Can she act? It's, oh, let's not be unkind. My favourite part of the video is where Robot Scarlett Johansson delivers the following speech. I think robotics is a new manufacturing and it can help people do some high-risk work and go to top of mountain and deep ocean to realise our world adventure. <laughs> You're so right, Scarlett Johansson. But also, do you need some help? Please wink if you need rescuing. I'm a little bit worried about Robot Scarlett Johansson, I have to say. Yeah. Thomas Thwaites, man who lived as goat explains why it was a special kind of time. The man has been describing how he was so stressed with his daily life that he decided to live as a goat. <laughs> That'll be his choice. Yeah. Known as Goat Man, Thomas Thwaites has written about his unusual lifestyle in a book. Inevitably. Mm. How about if you're going to do something crazy, maybe don't write a book about it. How about that? <laughs> That'd be more that would, unusual. That would be a surprise, wouldn't yeah. it? That would be like, oh, there's something I wasn't <laughs> expecting. I'm not promoting a book. His book is called Goat Man. Oh. How I took a holiday from being a human. Mm. Speaking to the BBC, the 34-year-old said he made the decision after dog-sitting his niece's happy, joyous dog when he thought, wouldn't it be nice to just have a break from all this stress? <laughs> what? His house-sitting a puppy... And he's like, well, this is stressful. <laughs> it's hardly a job as a kind of neurosurgeon, is it? Not really. Not what you would call a high-stress existence. I imagine he was sipping cocoa at the time. Mm. He said he remembered thinking as a child that if he were a cat, he wouldn't have to go to school. Now, yeah, well, that's where you're wrong. I know somebody had a cat that learned geography. <laughs> they have to work in cafes and bookshops now, don't they, cats? Yeah, being fondled by people who can't have their own pets. <laughs> but rather than just letting my childish wishes go, I wrote to the Wellcome Trust... Isn't that a huge pharmaceutical conglomerate? <laughs> I wrote to the Wellcome Trust and they gave me a small arts award, which called my bluff, I suppose. It became an investigation into how close we can come to fulfilling this ancient human dream oh, yeah. of becoming a goat. <laughs> I'm not sure that is an ancient human dream. First time I've heard of it. I did a bit of research, and you can easily find all the cave paintings depicting half-human and half-beast. Right, but I don't think that means they were like a dream, like, oh, I really want to be half-human, half-beast. Oh, I want to be a minotaur. Yeah, no. I think it's just when people were thinking, hey, what would be crazy? Mm. Half-man, half-ox, or whatever it was. That's it. I don't think it's aspirational, that's what I'm saying, Thwaites. Anyway, he went through a number of prototypes including a wooden structure, but ended up using prosthetic limbs and he walked in a field with goats. Rather strange paragraph, but there we go. He says, I went to a goat farm in the Alps and had some prosthetics made by a doctor at the University of Salford. He really doesn't know how to construct a sentence. He's having trouble. This is at the University of Salford prosthetics clinic, including prosthetic hooves and prosthetic back legs. Mm. He said he even attempted to give his stomach similar digestive qualities to those of a goat by eating grass. Yeah, that's not how it works. <laughs> Thwaites added that he would recommend being a goat and described it as a special kind of time. Now, you might think, since he went to all this trouble, that he spent some time doing this. Yeah. Um, three days. <laughs> three days, and he's written a book. Three days on a goat farm before he left. <laughs> Happily, now he's back to normal life. It was not the first time Mr. Thwaites has embarked on an experiment. In 2009, after being inspired by Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where Arthur Dent lands on a primitive planet and is unable to build a toaster, he set out to do just that, so it's that guy. 
It's him. This just looks like I can't be bothered making a hairdryer, so I'm going to pretend to be a goat. <laughs> but what he doesn't cover in this article about his three days as a goat is did he or didn't he mm. eat the entire contents of a clothesline? <laughs> Eating all the washing, socks, T-shirts. Well, that's exactly it. Instead of eating grass, he should have got some pants down or something. Yeah, that just means eating a baby's jumpsuit and then some lady's lingerie and then following it off with a couple of hairy socks. Yeah. Did he or did he not eat any lady's hair? That's another thing goats (laughs) like to do. Remember a friend of mine telling me that she was helping out on some goat farm and she was feeding one goat and then she turned around to realise that a goat behind her was trying to kind of digest a plait of hair. (laughs) Barely anything. Yeah, they're not fussy goats, are they? How did he cope with the stickiness? Because male goats, as well as being stinky, are also sticky for quite a lot of the time. Are they? Yeah. Oh. So I wonder if he kind of smothered himself in jam in order to achieve goat-style stickiness. (laughs) I doubt it. Back to the drawing board, Thwaites, I say. (laughs) Three days. If it were three months, I'd think he was a lunatic, but I'd I'd respect that lunacy. Have a bit more respect. Three days. (laughs) We all love face with tears of joy, Mm. and the French are brokenhearted, apparently. This is about emojis. Emojis have given us powerful emotional vocabulary, apparently, even if most of it is uh, just crying. 20% of the time, apparently, 20% of emoji communication is just variations on uh, crying. Speak for yourself, 40% for me. <laughs> when I'm not niche casting to you, listeners, I am in fact usually sobbing into straw, just dry straw. It's mostly just an attempt to moisten it. Yeah. Then we just need to put the A-team on and you cheer up again. Oh, the A-team. That's a great series. I'm glad it's just started. <laughs> I pity the fool that hasn't seen the A-team, I really do. You might remember Oxford Dictionary made Face with Tears of Joy, the emoji, its word of the year. Controversial. Thus signifying the beginning of the end. I think that's actually in the Bible. Skies turns to blood, Face with Tears of Joy emoji made word of the year. Anyway, linguist Gretchen McCulloch described emojis as a new fourth quadrant of communication, which makes me instantly dislike linguist Gretchen McCulloch. Fourth quadrant. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, let me attach myself to something that's popular by coming up with something that is not catchy and doesn't really add anything to our understanding of emojis. I bet your quadrants are catchy with linguists, though. Yeah. In the US, emoji use varies significantly by state. People in Hawaii were the top users of palm trees, sunsets and surfing. That's just showing off. Las Vegas residents were the top users of lips, devils, the scream, the angel and the uh, aubergine. Mm. Arguably the most... Fallow sympathetic of all the nightshades. <laughs> Draw your own conclusions. LGBT emojis are used in the highest rate in conservative states. That's a rain- oh. That's like a rainbow. What about the smiling turd? Where's that my popular? Everywhere, man, everywhere. <laughs> everywhere turds are dropped. <laughs> Portugal and Australia, where drug laws are the most liberal, are the highest users of the mushroom, pill, syringe and cigarette emoji. Mm. Santa is most heavily used by the Danish, the Norwegian and the Swedish. French speakers use hearts and broken hearts four times more than speakers of other languages. They're very emotional, aren't they? They're very uh, they are. up and down. I love you, I hate you. J'adore, je déteste. Etc, <laughs> etc. Et Proposals for new emojis currently have to be approved and then integrated by the unicorn... Sorry. (laughs) What is wrong with me? The unicorn? For a moment, I thought that proposals for new emojis had to be approved and then integrated by the Unicorn Consortium. (laughs) Sadly, that's not the name. They're actually integrated by the Unicode Consortium, a branch of the Illuminati. (laughs) Any ideas for any new emojis? 
I recently discovered there's no sock emoji. <laughs> Just got my hands on some socks. Although there are boots and shoes, there's no sock. Well, what you want there is an emoji for a sock, an emoji for a matched pair of socks, and an emoji for a mismatched pair of socks. How about two socks side by side, but one of them is just like dotted, like missing, like the missing, like lost sock. Oh, where's that? I blame the rise of the sockless society. This is my other suggestion. Where are the redhead emojis? Now we've got all these different ethnicity emojis. No redheads. Huh? Get on this, Nicholas Sturgeon. It'd be good if we had a range of emoji for the various musical genres that we play. A nice little sitar emoji, for example, or a, a Moog synthesizer emoji. <laughs> Somebody playing Caravan. Yeah. I mean, I know they have the smiling turd, which we mentioned before, but mm. what about emojis covering the rest of the Bristol <laughs> stool scale? <laughs> How about a bandaged knee emoji and a replacement hip emoji so the elderly can use the fourth <laughs> quadrant to communicate and moan about how sick they are? <laughs> it's got to happen. You have been used. Mochun. Thank you, Mrs. Canyon. Thank you, sir. For that highly emotional section of news stories, there'll be more on next week's show.
The frankly terrifying ending there to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a rather wibbly wobbly, lovely bit of electronics from uh, a band called Turn On, which is actually a bit of a supergroup made up of uh, Tim Gain and Andy Ramsey from Stereolab and Sean O'Hagan of the High Llamas. And uh, Leticia Sadier pops up on one track as well. This is an album that came out in 1997. I think it's the only album they did as that uh, particular name. And uh, it's fa- packed full of that, uh, all of that squelching loveliness. Yeah, it's great stuff. <laughs> And the occasional moment of terror at the end there. <laughs> uh, that was a track called Young Cherry Trees Secured. And uh, as with all the tracks on this week's show, if you go to uh, projectmemories.com slash blossom, you'll be able to buy these pieces of music. Now, we're going to play next the seed track of this whole show. And this is, I guess, it's sort of stereo lab adjacent because it's uh, from Ghostbox, which, of course, is run by... Ghosts. By, go- <laughs> by ghosts. It's run by ghosts. I think it's actually at least one of them is in a, a sort of jar. It's a ghost in a jar. <laughs> Runs the whole operation from inside a jar. Look, I mean, for too long, ghosts have been oppressed, let's just say. And it's great that they've got their own record label and mm. collection of boxes. So I'm, that's you know, right. I think that's important. And they've got their own emoji. Mm. The latest release on Ghostbox is not by ghosts, but by a duo called Hintermass. This is made up of uh, John Brooks, otherwise known as the Advisory Circle, of course, and Tim Felton, X of Broadcast and Sealand. Hintermass first got together back in 2011 to record Volume 5 of Ghostbox Study Series. That was an EP called The Open Songbook. But this is uh, from their debut album, which has just come out. And Ghostbox very kindly have sent us a copy here all the way to the moon. Oh, the postage is murder. Thus bankrupting them. (laughs) Oh, well. Sorry about that. Well, that's jolly nice of them, isn't it? I think this is something to be encouraged. Exactly. If there are any labels listening, please uh, send your material to us. We've got an, an Earth address, haven't we? We have. We do have an Earth address, yes. There's an, there's an Earth minion there. And there's a regular shuttle that uh, brings everything up here. This is an album called The Apple Tree, which is a rather lovely uh, collection of... Well, it, it's kind of, I guess, folk music for the 21st century because it's got some lovely folk melodies and songs, but uh, with, again, lots of nice electronics going on as well. It's beautiful stuff. And uh, this is the title track from the album. This is Hintermass with Apple Tree. Take the gift from the apple tree Falling down self-consciously Same mistake as it was before Who knows what you did it for Don't look back 
love was done Lips not kiss away the tool A crime to make a reptile smile shimmery sound there of Hintermas hmm. with a track called The Apple Tree. Amazing stuff, as we mentioned. And we would encourage anyone who wants to send us records from their obscure record label <laughs> or any other any other gifts. Yes. <laughs> in fact, any gift. You know, carry on. Just get in touch with us. We are, we'll gratefully receive all, you know, investments, part ownership of um, Peruvian gold mines. That's it. All gratefully received. Mm. Have you got any islands? Anyone got any islands? We'll take an mm. island. Mm. We'll take an island, yeah. Or at least part ownership of an island a couple of months <laughs> now listeners if you enjoy the show you can listen to us on projectmoonbase.com or you can also find us on the stitcher app we're also on mixcloud and the mighty itunes mm. coming up next we've got a bit of uh, greek philosophy we have we're getting worryingly close to being on trend here with this next track i'm afraid dear listener because i believe this next uh, greek philosopher is actually becoming quite popular this is aristophanes otherwise known as limau and uh, she's a taiwanese rapper who as you might expect, wraps everything in Mandarin. And uh, she's just released a brand new EP called No Rush to Leave Dreams. And on it, we have a lovely track called The Peach Blossom. Like all good rap, it's about a classical Chinese story (laughs) called The Peach Blossom Land, where a fisherman follows a trail of peach trees up to some idyllic village, and um, and it's great. Mm. Then he goes away, and then he tries to find it again. (laughs) Oh no, it's ruined. Sort of destroyed Shangri-La. So see if you can pick up the the peach trees and the fish and the disappointment and the uh, destroyed Shangri-La thing. See if you can work that out. Shows that you're 
水的汤之王就意味着鱼尾。开水的声音，身体很暗很冷，黑暗雨滴很沉，抚摸着行走的我，而镜头的光像个斗点，照谁也自重。跳的是昼夜，一我如墨迹时的是浓。黑暗对我说：“你也要走了吗？你也是从我的子宫里诞生的。”的剪断，宛如出生，好像出世，失望我被迫上残影无字。阳光在我额头上细细的敷着一层汗，终于走到了桃花源，尽管很慢。啊，这里是哪里？春眠荒芜，长出仿佛企图遮掩的窗户。慧眼，人群镂空，而微笑不好洗的妆，抱着光束，像泡在金黄色的桃谷，在逃离城市光烟雾，来到这桃花源的破败队伍。全部完全不是传言，而是废墟。为什么天空还这么晴朗？他不知道我看到了什么吗？我全碎我，这不对吧？让我奶奶讲这句话，对我这没有感情的生物吧。
the lovely relaxing sound of Milt Raskin there. And before that, we played The Peach Blossom from Aristophanes. Because now I, this is where I should insert something cool and some street lingo. <laughs> I don't know any. But it was that was pretty good. That was, that was pretty entertaining, that yes, um, yeah. Aristophanes, wasn't it? I have to say I'm dubious about that story because it, to me that sounds quite steamy, that track. It doesn't sound like it's a traditional classical Chinese story. But anyway. Well, we don't know what <laughs> happened at the village, do we? <laughs> we All we know, know is... The fisherman's saying, oh, look at these blossoms. He finds the village, and then it's dot, dot, dot. <laughs> this is awesome. We don't yeah. quite know why. Yeah. And then he's, he's bringing people back, and it's, oh, it's ruined. Mm. But for all we know, it might have been, he could have been doing anything there, couldn't he? <laughs> you, yeah. listeners, you fill in the blanks. I don't need to, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Milk Raskin there, that was Red Blossom. We finished a lovely, dreamy, exotic, sparkly, vibraphone sound of Milt Raskin, yeah. which is unusual because Milt is better known for his in-your-face swing music. What happened? Well, I think I might have just come up with a new term for this. I think I want to call that exotic exploitation. <laughs> All right, if you must. Because I sort of think of him in the same way as I think about Robert Drasden, because another another great musician who was very famous for sort of jazz and soundtrack music, but only ever made one Exotica album. But one great Exotica but album. But exactly. It's, it's not, although it might have been seen perhaps at the time as bandwagon jumping, it's actually a fantastic album and you really wish he'd done more of it, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hold on. Wasn't there an, an interesting follow-on for the, the Drasden thing? Yeah, because about 40 or 50 years later. Yeah. They forced him into a studio for part two, didn't they? Get in there! He was persuaded to to do another one that's right sadly I don't think we did the same happened with Milt Raskin but you really wish he had done more because that was a, it's a great album you can get that as a, as a download to that particular album this is why we need more militant musicologists <laughs> and musos who are prepared to kidnap <laughs> musical greats and encourage them to record more good albums yes, exactly you know yeah but uh, that certainly was pretty marvellous stuff dreamy we will be heading off to the mystic and largely fake east <laughs> Fairly shortly, dear listener. But first of all, it's time for... Thing of the Week! Now, listeners, the theme of this episode is, of course, Blossom. And in Japan, that's Sakura. That's a season of Blossom, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And you may be saying, well, what's that? Then it's just people going, ooh, coo, look at the lovely flowers. <laughs> Which is generally what people do. They like to have picnics and stuff. But also, apparently, there's uh, Blossom Wars. Sakura Wars. If you look on Amazon, you might find Sakura Wars. Act 1, The Demon Wars, Begin Again. <laughs> Act 2, Cherry Blossom Spirit Attack. Now, this is apparently a VHS tape <laughs> yes. from 1997, which I don't understand because as far as my brain is telling me that it's about 1983 at the moment. <laughs> so I don't really sure how... I don't really see how it's possible to have a VHS tape from the future. Oh, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. No, I shouldn't worry about that. That's just when Sakura Wars is set. Oh, OK. Don't worry. All right, all right. It does look good. It, it does. Listen, I wonder if any of our listeners still have VHS tapes. I'm sure they do. Next to their George Bank Radio Astronomy Telescope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, this isn't just a VHS tape. It's a VHS tape based on a, vi- a video game, apparently. So, two layers of excitement there. Yeah. And uh, if you go to projectmovies.com slash blossom, you'll be able to buy a copy of this VHS tape. Well, there's only two copies available. Oh. Well. So... Two of you will be able to... Hurry up. Well, apparently, it gets four stars. This is a pretty cute show. It has excellent animation, a good story, and good music. My beef with it is that the show ends after a couple of episodes. It just stops. I've heard the negatives of Sakura Wars, said one reviewer, and I've heard the positives. I, for one, think it's a wonderful video. And the soundtrack by Kohei Tanaka 
is one of the best I've ever had the pleasure of hearing. And I have a most extensive collection of over 150. So it looks like it might be worth buying just for the soundtrack. Who knows? But I just like the idea of Blossom Wars. <laughs> what could that possibly entail? Do you think they use Blossom as a weapon? Oh dear, I hope not. Anyway, look, listeners, if you want to get yourself an old VHS tape, then um, this is possibly the thing you could, uh, you know, enter into the magical world of VHS with. There's all kinds of large, bulky plastic tapes out there. That's right. You'd think that with cassettes having taken off again, so, so well, <laughs> maybe not so greatly, but... Just amongst hipsters. Just, just amongst hipsters. I'm kind of surprised that VHS isn't backing as well, but uh, anyway. That's... It's never been away, that's the thing. It's... <laughs> What are you talking about? It's the new thing. It is, yeah. I think that just about wraps it up for... Thing of the Week.
We specialise in having people from one nation, usually Germany, <laughs> pretending to be from somewhere else, usually in Latin America. This is uh, completely different. This is actual genuine music from Japan by Japanese people. That was the traditional sound of the Japanese geisha there from an album called Traditional Music of the Japanese Geisha by Hideo Osaka Ensemble. And that track was called Lotus Blossom and delightful it was too. Mm. Before that, of course, we had Caller Pandit spookily pretending to be more exotic than he really was. But it was pretty exotic, wasn't it? You can be exotic from anywhere, can't you? It's a matter of spirit. That was an ode to a lotus blossom there. Mm. Very good track. It I don't was. think we've played that before. No, that was new to me. I hadn't heard that before putting the show together. It's a really pretty beautiful piece of work. And the, and the album it comes from, Buried Treasure, collects together both aspects of uh, John Roland Red's personalities. It's got some tracks by Caller Pandit and some tracks by Juan Ronaldo. <laughs> Marvellous. I have been DJ Sidonia, and I hope you've blossomed during this week's edition of the show. I have been MC Magnolia Galaxy, and I hope people enjoyed your scent. <laughs> it is wafting I apologise for the wafting mm, It's a delicate fragrance <laughs> or the, Well that's one way of looking at it <laughs> Now let's have something muffly next mm. Well as you know dear listen, We do like an under the pillow sound And what's brilliant about this next track Is we've quite often played tracks That start off under the pillow And then become a sort of shimmering Chrome finished jewel But this one comes out from under the pillow And then sort of But stays half under the pillow Because <laughs> it just doesn't quite It doesn't quite reach its full polish but that makes it a little more appealing for us here on the moon. This is by a Canadian band called Cosmic Cycler. Cosmic Cycler, as well as being the name of this group, is the name of an anime. Mm. The album contains samples, and I don't know if they're from the anime, because this whole thing is so sort of um, oblique. It's a difficult to know where its origins, but nonetheless, it is rather good. It's, it's brilliant. I think, yeah, I think this is an album made up of samples from perhaps various animes, but uh, there's a whole load of artists that they credit on their uh, Bandcamp page. So this, this is uh, Cosmic Cycler with uh, simply titled Blossom. Until next week, dear listener, don't, don't know about the future. It's anybody's guess. I'm not afraid of the dark. 